This podcast is sponsored by tenofthose.com. Tenofthose.com handpick the best Christian books that point to Jesus and sell them at discounted prices. A Nation of Grace by Tim Chester is an opportunity to enjoy the depths of God's glorious grace through Lent with a collection of daily meditations and prayers from great writers across church history, each bringing a special focus to the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. It is such a treasure trove as you journey towards Easter with fellow believers from the last two millennia and a wonderful way to lead up to Easter. Go and grab your copy at tenofthose.com. Welcome to Two Sisters and a Cup of Tea. My name is Felicity and I live in the US and this is my sister Sarah and she is in the UK. Hi Sarah. Hi. Nice to see you. What's what's in the cup? What's the brew today? Oh I've got um, I've got a lemon. I mean not a whole lemon <laughs> but I have got I have got hot water and lemon so I, it's not technically a brew. Sorry about that. But I do have an exciting biscuit which I think makes up for it. So it turns out that our um church families kind of love language seems to be biscuits and lots of them um so we're we're just continually getting through biscuits that we've been brought around over the last um weeks and months so today i've got a cadbury's roundy have you heard one of those oh is that like the kind of fox's chocolate roundy kind of like is it solid milk chocolate with biscuit in the middle no (laughs) oh right okay something different and interestingly, it came in a box of Oreo selection and Cadbury selection. So it's very exciting, tin of biscuits. <laughs> um, no, it's like wafer and chocolate and more chocolate around the edge. It's very good, but the wafer doesn't really taste of anything. So you're more just eating chocolate. Yeah, which is never a bad thing. I've gone wow. for a chocolate one myself, actually. Although mine has the slight twist of it's a chocolate hobnob, but with the twist of sticky toffee pudding. Oh, I know. I bought one of those packets, but I haven't even got around to it because we keep getting all get given all these biscuits. How is it? So good. So oh, good. Like it? genuinely like sticky toffee pudding. I mean, Ooh. it is a hobnob, but also that. And especially over here, sticky toffee pudding, not a thing. So I feel like I'm introducing right. people not only to biscuits, but to an outstanding level of pudding. Um, while we're thinking about such things on a totally different note, let's think about how when we're reading the Bible with friends, I was thinking sometimes, it just feels like it's an impossible feat because we have noise and distraction and children and any such thing that can get in the way. Sarah, what's your thought on whether that is still a viable kind of environment for getting the Bible open? Sometimes it feels like it's an impossible thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's really important to kind of just bust that myth, isn't it, that um, this is normal for us, as in, this is a specially curated time yeah. where my my children are often turning their own lights off, whether they do that or not. It's another matter. Your children are kind of meant to be having some kind of quiet time. And um, it's kind of hangs on hangs in the balance for us when we record, doesn't it? Um, but when we're reading the Bible with other people, like, of course, it's not like this. And that's just brilliant and OK. And I think you're reading the Bible, you're getting the Bible open in the midst of real life. And however much you manage to get through a passage or not, I think it's okay because it's the intention of saying the bread, like Jesus is the bread of life and he he's going to nourish our friendship and he's going to nourish us. Yeah. So even if we just read one verse together and just pray, brilliant. Like yeah. I think just kind of having expectations that kind of acknowledge that you want to have this and you want to do this, but realistically it's okay if it doesn't go to plan. 
Yeah, yeah. And the likelihood is that it won't, but God is still going to be at work and it's still going to be. Yeah, and it's him that nourishes us, isn't it? And it's his word that will do that. And you might get some times where you open it up with a friend and you're like this is brilliant we've really had deep chat here surprisingly and there'll be other times you're like I can't even remember what we've just read (laughs) and that's just okay isn't it I think the intention of just wanting to get it open is is precious enough absolutely and on that note shall we open the bible and read I'm going to read John chapter 3 verses 22 through to 36 After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside, where he spent some time with them and baptised. Now John also was baptising at Enon near Salem, because there was plenty of water, and the people were coming and being baptised. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he's baptising and everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourself can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the spirit without limit. The father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Thank you, Fisty. Um, So we're at the end of chapter three, aren't we? So we had a massive kind of chunk and the most famous chunk of chapter three last time. Um, and now we're kind of back to John the Baptist, aren't we? I know. I feel like it's a little bit of a surprise appearance, really. I felt mm, like he had uh, kind of done his job, but I think he is coming back to do a very similar job, isn't he? He even quotes himself back yeah. then, which makes yeah. me think that he's all about the same thing unsurprisingly (laughs) yeah and I think in light of what we've just seen about Nicodemus and Nicodemus not quite getting it we're then going to get this testimony of someone who just really simply does yeah and I think that it's really powerful coming off the back of that isn't it in the context of what we've just read so we seem to be having a bit of a baptizing competition would you say like yeah it seems to be sort of John the Baptist versus Jesus the Baptist but the John and Jesus are obviously not bothered about whereas the followers it's John's followers is like John come on <laughs> you're losing here you're losing numbers that guy's yeah. getting everyone out here and that seems to be the context and then so then John in verse 27 he then goes on to say well it's it's just not about me don't you remember mm. what I said it's not about me and he uses this illustration doesn't he do you want to do you want to unpack that a bit for us Sarah those those next few verses well he just uses a really simple it's illustration doesn't he um of the bride belongs to a bridegroom and the friend who's kind of waiting is waiting for the is for the waiting for the wedding you know they're not just they're not the big deal (laughs) you know it's not like the bridesmaids the big deal and the bride's just out in the corner you know over there it's 
it's the bridegroom and the bride. That's the big deal. And it's just it's just a really simple and yet beautiful illustration to describe what's actually happening in reality with Jesus coming. Like he's it. He's the main deal. He's the he's the big he's the big mm. thing. He's the centerpiece. Um and so suddenly the friend is gonna is gonna go into the into the uh what's the word? The background. Yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? And and so John is, and it's amazing the way that John says it. Verse 30, he must become greater, I must become less. Like there's no kind of animosity, is there, or envy or anything. It's just like this is how it is. And it is quite ridiculous if the best man was sort of like, oh, what? It's not about me, but I thought this was all about me. That would be a ridiculous scenario. And yet here, so John really does, he's just got it so right. And I love that, that joy is mine. And it is now complete, like the joy he has at seeing Jesus and knowing that the bridegroom is here. Is it? Is it worth just, Karen gave us a really helpful illustration last time, didn't she, of um, how whether you kind of skim the, you, you've got lakes, you've got a lake and you can skim the stones and you're not really, you can connect with the word and then you could just go a bit deeper and mm-hmm. consider the Old Testament kind of, background to what's going on here and I just think the wedding the bridegroom the bride that kind of idea what we have there if we were to go back to Jeremiah or even Isaiah you'd get this picture of the bridegroom comes and restores relationship between God and Mm. his people and you don't really need to know much more than that to just have the joy all the more explained and the delight that John has I think that yeah I think it's really helpful that isn't it and it is just beautiful we're like we're getting a lot of different images in the beginning of John's gospel aren't we to describe God's relationship and his kind of pursuing of different people Mm. and again this like the beauty of a marriage relationship here that's described um is wonderful isn't it and as you say like I think what's what's what we're seeing as we go through this first few chapters is that we don't have like loads of um, Old Testament verses quoted, but we do have this like richness of um, imagery that is basically seeping out of every every mm. sentence. It feels like, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> and I think, as Karen was saying, it was so helpful last week, wasn't it? Just like that reality of actually, as you start to swim and swim a bit more and swim a bit deeper, you start to see that richness, and it it only adds to what you're reading, doesn't it? I yeah um, yeah yeah, and so. Yeah, I think it's just, yeah, it's, it's powerful stuff, isn't it? So then we come on to the next part. And I, th- well, I don't know how you saw this. The speech mark ends um, at he must become greater, I must become less. And then it feels like we've got John kind of, kind of writing a little editorial at, at the end of that. Do you think? Yeah, that? no, I think that's, I think that's right. It's, it's almost John's meditation on what has come before. And it is so, mm. the, more, the to be honest, when I first read this passage, I thought, I don't know, really. <laughs> like, is it just as straightforward as John pointing to Jesus again? But then I think these verses 31 to 36 just give such an incredible picture of Jesus that it's been it's been kind of warming my heart all week, really, this. I love the repetition of he, um, the one who comes from above is above all. And then later on, we get it again, above all. It's like this, this one who is from heaven, like Jesus mm-hmm. himself is from heaven. He is from above. This testimony, what, what is said about him, what he says, is, is actually better than John's testimony. And John's testimony is quite something, isn't it? But, but actually, because Jesus is of above, he is above all, he is of God. And this is where it's at. He is where it's at. And extraordinary. The father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. Like 
whoa, that's a huge statement, isn't it? Mm. That, you know, describing just who Jesus is. He is God's son. He is completely truthful. He speaks with, like, he gives the spirit without limit. Um, it's just, he speaks the very words of God. We're just getting this, again, this reminder of who Jesus is and why it matters. And I think, do you think it probably adds weight to then what Jesus says back in, the last bit of chapter three, we work with Nicodemus, um, just in terms of what he's saying about whoever has life. Mm. Well, and he says it again at the end, doesn't he? Like, um, whoever believes in the son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the son will not see life. Um, you know, that's yeah. that's a big that's a big thing to say, isn't it? You need to have authority to say that. You need to have the right authority to say that. Well, yeah, and I think that's it, isn't it? So it, that is such a stark statement. Like, I don't know about you, but when I read that statement, I really just don't know what to do with it in some mm-hmm. ways in terms of, ah, it's a bit too black and white. We, I don't think our society operates in black and white kind of ways, no, like that, do they? So, not at all. So it feels quite, it feels quite something for me. And I, you know, I love Jesus, but would I say this to someone who doesn't yet know Jesus because it's so stark. Mm -hmm. And in order to sort of stand by this statement, I think I need to be all the more convinced as to who Jesus is. And what I love about the description of him there, as you say, the authority that's been given to him, the fact that the spirit without limit, but that for God loves, the father loves the son and has placed Mm -hmm. everything in his hands. Like Again, we've seen it again um, back in the start of chapter three, haven't we? This love that flows through all of this. And we're seeing more and more this kind of compelling compassion of Christ. He loves to save. Actually, that's what we heard in the, in the last part we were looking at with Karen. And so as you then come to that statement, whoever believes in the son has eternal life, you think, yes, that is right. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the one who came to save, who came to give eternal life. He longs to give that. Why wouldn't we trust him, believe him, claim that? And John the Baptist is that living example, isn't he? of the person who's done that, who's believed God at his word and is then reaping the benefits because his joy is complete in Mm. Christ. There's nothing lacking for John. Like the belief leads to heart response, doesn't it? Yeah. And a joy that is extraordinary and, and a response that then says, well, I want to make much of Christ and I will go into the background because I don't need to be up front yeah. here. Like uh, yeah. Jesus is the one I want to kind of shine the light on. And I think that just gives, um, it just gives body, doesn't it? It gives flesh to these weighty statements that John the writer is saying. We then get John the Baptist living it and showing us what it looks like. Yeah, no, I think that's that's such a good point. That joy is entirely connected to to just the reality of who Jesus yeah. is, isn't it? And, and I think that is a really helpful thing to see that we're not, it's not just a kind of functional, like, oh, I better just accept Jesus because that's the way the gospel works. And that, but actually there is a whole heart aspect to that. And there is reward mm-hmm. in that, not just in an eternal life sense, but the the delight in knowing Jesus now is, is yeah. big. And I think that in that last verse, um, but when he says, but whoever rejects the son will not see life for God's wrath remains on them. I mean, the reality there is that that God's wrath is on everyone until we accept Jesus. So, so we're all desperately in need of Jesus. And Jesus is here in front of us in these pages. He is reaching out to us, offering life in order to rescue us 
from that wrath rather than it being oh those who reject jesus get slammed like that's that's not it is it it's actually mm-hmm. jesus is reaching down into our broken world that is deserving of judgment and offering us eternal life and not just the kind of functional offer but the reality of just knowing him and loving him and being just with him is huge yeah. any any other kind of heart hits for you sarah as you were in this passage um heart hit oh i don't know whether i like that phrase or not <laughs> is, it, is um, it a bit violent yes i think nudge, it might be <laughs> how is your heart affected oh, <laughs> by what yeah. you read <laughs> yes that's better um i think yeah i think for me it's that it's that living example of john the baptist here and just the fact that him saying that his joy is now complete in seeing jesus kind of step up and um big kind of been glorified I guess um just that just even that phrase my joy is now complete well you know the opposite of that is my joy is lacking mm. and actually it's not lacking in any way his joy is not lacking in any way because he's wholeheartedly satisfied in Christ and as he does that he can proclaim Christ and he can beautifully wonderfully exalt Christ and say he must become greater and I must become less. And I think just that 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 kind of the connection between the heart response and then his words mm. have been a big challenge to me. And I think it's really helpful because it just reminds me that it always flows from the heart. Our mouth always, you know, our words always flow from our heart. And I want my heart to be so wonderfully satisfied in Christ mm. like this. Yeah. That's, yeah. And I think as we're walking through John, kind of this slowly, we are, I feel like Jesus is, I'm being confronted by Jesus in a, in a more tangible way than I have for a while, I think. And I can feel my heart kind of responding. Mm. Isn't that, it's just, I think that's amazing. And I think we see that then when he says, for the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. I really mm. get that sense as you're reading through a gospel like this, that as we're hearing from Jesus, we're hearing about Jesus, this is God at work and I can feel my yeah. heart it's a it's an amazing thing isn't it really but I think we do feel that we have felt that at every point when we've been reading yeah any other book <laughs> it's not this isn't the only one where we felt that like but there is a tangible experience of like we're digging deeply into this word and we are expecting it and wanting it to change us and to shape us and to mold us and actually as we pray for that we're seeing the fruit of that mm. and I think why wouldn't we, as we gaze on Christ, who is the light of the world, his light, as we see in that prologue again, you know, the light shining into the darkness, of course, his light is going to shine into our darkness. And of course, it's going to illuminate our hearts and kind of propel us towards him. And we keep needing it, don't we? Mm -hmm. Every day, I need this. And yeah, we just need to keep praying that we would be soft hearted to receive the word. Absolutely. Do you want to pray for us on that note? Yeah, I'd love to. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the gift of uh, this passage that just reminds us um, of Christ's glory, that reminds us of how much greater he is um, than we can ever imagine. Thank you for John's words, that he must become greater and that I must become less. We pray that for our own hearts and we pray that we could wonderfully say that because our hearts are overflowing in joy in Christ we pray please Lord 
would you help us? Would you delight our hearts in Christ? And would the overflow of our words be the same as John here? And we pray for your glory, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Sarah. Has your uh, chocolate roundy thing uh, gone down the hatch? Yeah, yeah. It's big <laughs> though. It was a much, you know, it was like the centerpiece of the um, big. Oh, oh, you went so big then. <laughs> I went for it because the kit, there was only one. And oh. it, was in a special, it was in a special wrapper and the kids were going to totally fight over it. So I took it out before they even saw it. <laughs> wise, wise parenting right there. <laughs> I don't know, maybe just selfish. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, it's great to have you all uh, listening. Do remember to check out our 10 of those partnership store. You just type in two sisters and you'll get all our recommendations. And as ever, we'll have questions in the show notes to help you dig into this passage all the more. Anything else, Sarah? That's it. See you next time. See you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. It's sponsored by tenofthose.com. Check them out for great discounted resources that point to Jesus.